Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the Foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. It is finally here. The month of April has begun, which means the best time of year. It's draft month, which means we're starting our draft extravaganza. If you guys don't know what's about to happen... We are about to give you a breakdown week in and week out leading up to the draft, leading up to our mock draft number two, 2.0, in the week of the draft, and our coverage of the draft at the draft, hopefully. Well, at least in Cleveland. So we will be giving you guys all of our insights leading up to the draft. DJ, I'm so excited for this month. We've been kind of keeping this one under wraps, getting everything prepared for, for April, and it's it's finally here, man. It, in my opinion, it's one of my favorite times of the year, The NFL draft, the offseason, all this stuff. It's it's like my nerdvana. I absolutely love this. Plus, you got March Madness, and oh my God, is it maddening? You got the NBA playoff run coming up. Baseball's like this is the time of year for a sports fan. It's amazing. I can't wait. And then it all is going to culminate at the end of the month with that NFL draft too. So I can't yeah. wait. And it's my birthday month, so everybody wins. Oh well, you get get a little bit of everything this month. Uh, but yeah, I know you're exactly right with March Madness. I mean, 
it's been crazy this year this year i mean it's ironic that despite everything we we just ended up with what two ones a two and an 11 seed in in the uh in the final four literally four ones if you think about it we still got the four ones yeah four ones in a different way and then uh, you know you talk about baseball starting up and you know we'll be going live on sunday to call a sunday night baseball game but we'll talk about that on our twitter page we're here for football and that's what we're here for so to give you an idea of how we're going to break this down we're going to go division by division we're going to start with the first pick in that division so for each division if we were take, we're gonna start with the AFC West, for example. That'll be our first one. We'll start and go go, go Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs. Now we're still working on our big board, and because there are still pro days happening, that's why the big board is being worked on. So we can we're not gonna tell you exact players. There might be a couple that we just throw out there for you know relative terms for who we think maybe will still be there in the, in those picks. But for the most part, we're gonna give you their needs and where we see them filling it, and if they do fill it in the first round of the draft. And we're only going to do the first round for right now. Because to be honest with you, seven rounds is a lot to get in, and we only have an hour per episode. Uh, it's going to take a long time. We might have to put our day jobs on hold to be able to get that off. That's going to take a long time to do this for every single team. Exactly. So let's get us started. Like I said, we're starting with the AFC West. The Denver Broncos picking in the top ten at number nine. They obviously signed Will Fuller or uh, Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby in the offseason. So with those two signings in mind, DJ, what is your thoughts on the Denver Broncos needs for this draft? You know, the first time when we talked about this mock draft, my thing on them was they should definitely grab a corner. They should grab some defense, sure that up. But I mean, like you mentioned, Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, bringing back Justin Simmons, big, big time, bringing back Kareem Jackson on a cheaper deal, bringing back Vaughn Miller, and then also re-signing Shelby Harris, just, their defense is pretty good. Bradley Chubb, if Bradley Chubb and Von Miller could just play at the same time for one full season, like if they could just not alternate getting injured, you got a pass rush. Your secondary is not no fly zone, but it's turbulent zone at least. I mean, with Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby and Justin Simmons back there. So you got a pretty good building block for defense. I mean, Josie Jewell at linebacker, like you got pieces there. The question is, how do you feel about Drew Locke? I still say you give Drew Locke next year. I mean, probably not going to be a quarterback in nine, but you never know, maybe – for some reason, they love Mac Jones. That's an option, something like that. But the big, I'm still looking at him. I feel like offensive line's a big thing for him. I feel like they could really use some people to protect and just some depth, if nothing else. So if a guy like Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater slips to them, you can't go wrong. Just like, all right, Drew Locke, you have every receiver you can want if they're healthy. You got some running backs. You got a really underrated tight end in Noah Fant. Now we're going to build a wall in front of you. It's up to you to go from here. So if one of those two guys is there, but at the same time, picking number nine and t- grabbing offensive lineman is not really a sexy pick for the Broncos in that point. So if they don't go there, I think you sure up that defense, maybe a linebacker, another pass rusher, just because you can never have too many of them. Just go full NASCAR 24 seven. You got Patty <laughs> Mahomes, Justin Herbert and Derek, David, Car- sorry, Derek Carr in your division. You, you, you can have enough pass, like get after them. So pass r- the trenches. That's what I'm gonna say for Denver, the trenches, unless you're not, unless you're really anti drew lock, then you got to trade up. I like that actually. I like that you you stuck with a lot of the same thoughts I did, um, because if you guys remember uh, looking back to our, our our first mock draft that we did alternating picks, if we were in their their position, what do we draft? DJ, you were actually the number nine pick for the Broncos, and you had them going Caleb Farley, the corner. So to to back up your point of of where we had them going, it was a corner at that time, and I wholly backed you up because I did think that was the perfect spot for him. And Caleb Farley is an absolute alien. So that is still a good pick. Nonetheless, <laughs> like that, is, that man is not fully human. I don't know what they did to make him, but oh my goodness, 
Yeah, I like, mean, I, his forty-yard dash in that build. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he's something else we haven't seen at a cornerback position. Really, I mean, he's what Dominic Dominic Rogers Camardi could have been if he, you know, didn't get in his own way. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> that's, that's the way I, I look Dominic at it. Rogers Cromartie knew how to cover people besides just be tall and fast. Exactly. But yeah, no, so they get Fuller and Darby in there. That, that shows up at least your starting two positions, as you mentioned, bringing everybody back. Um, and if Bradley Chubb and, and Von Miller can play together, I think that's a, that's a huge deal, but I'm sticking with you. I'm actually just going to focus just purely on offensive line. I think is where they need to go because if they do want to help drew lock, they do need to get offensive linemen around him. And while you looked at tackles as the potential solution, I actually look at the interior. And if a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker is is available, I mean, why not? I feel like Elijah Vera Tucker could go to any of these thirty-two teams, and it's like, yes, yeah. I mean, it's 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 the correct pick, pretty much anywhere you can go there. For just um, about everyone besides Jacksonville, number one, that's a yes. Yeah, and it's one of those things with them picking at nine. Obviously, like you said, lineman is not a sexy pick. Hopefully, John Elway doesn't get in his head and think, I need to be a quarterback guru again. You don't need to right now. Give it time. Give it another year with Drew Locke. But build up around him. You have a good wide receiver core building there. They have all the skill talent there. They have a great tight end building there with Noah Fant. You know, you, you have Melvin Gordon there still as running back, as, as your running back. But the thing missing is your offensive line. So literally any spot on that offensive line is is open game for me. But I say Elijah Vera Tucker, or as you mentioned, Rashawn Slater, maybe Panay Sewell falls to this point. Pick them. <laughs> Just any one of those guys, pick them. Just don't second guess yourself. That's your option. Number one out of the gate, the Denver Broncos. I, I'm wholeheartedly agreeing with you. Offensive line is their top need in this one. I think the only way you change that is if you don't believe in Drew Locke. If you're not sure, you stick with him one more year. If you think last year with all the injuries, like give him a chance again, yes. But if you don't believe in him, if you saw something last year where you said, we can't work with this guy, then you gotta you have to trade up or you have to figure something out. Like you gotta figure something out because that you can't just build around him if you think it's gonna fail. Like who else are you gonna bring in at this point? Like no, that's exactly right. I mean, they lost Joe Flacco, they lost all their backup quarterbacks, really. You can't really trade for like you can't. They talked about trading for Deshaun. That's not really an option right now. I mean, there it's not a whole lot of backup backup quarterback markets kind of dried up too. I mean, Mariota's staying with the Raiders too. So I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot of other options out there. I will say this though, with the nine number nine overall pick, they still have a second round pick as well. So you take an offensive lineman in the first round. Maybe you aren't sold on Drew Locke, but you believe in a guy like Kyle Trask. Honestly, the way this draft's starting to shape up, Kyle Trask might end up going late first round to the way all these other quarterbacks feel like they're going to go top five. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if there's a way that they could pick four quarterbacks in the top three picks, I think that somehow the NFL would figure it out. This somehow year. Jacksonville will take two of them. They'll find a way <laughs> and ruin both of them. Exactly. But speaking of guys who took a quarterback in a draft and pretty well did pretty well last year, uh, Justin Herbert and these L.A. Chargers moving on from the Broncos to the next pick for the AFC West, the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert obviously had a fantastic season last year. I mean, absolute stud. Where do you see the the year? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like did everything right. So where do you see the chargers going? Do you think they try to work on this offense even more? Or do you think they try to show up the other side of the ball with maybe a equivalent to Justin Herbert on the other side? So everything I said about like with Drew Locke and all the skill positions, just protect him. You transfer this over just instead of you're not sure about Drew Locke. This is you got your guy. Keep him upright. I know you brought in Lindley. Beautiful signing, one of the best signings in the offseason, getting a, that all-pro center to protect your guy. Bringing in another offensive lineman, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. 
You have Austin, you have Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. You did lose Hunter Henry. So there's room at tight end. Like if somehow Kyle Pitts fell this far, that'd be a glorious pick, but I just don't see that happening. <laughs> I, I can't see that happening. I have him rated very highly. So if it does, maybe I have a problem. I don't know, but someone should take him just because, Oh, he's here and it shouldn't be this late. Yeah. So I'm going to say offensive line is still obviously priority one. Elijah Vera Tucker, Leatherwood. There's a bunch of other options there to like, even if you're not going to get Slater and Panay Sewell, they're going to be gone most likely. But And then if you do want to go to defense, like hypothetically just for a second option, their secondary is pretty good, but you can always use some work. Derwin James is hopefully, knock on wood, coming back. The corners are getting old. They just let Casey Hayward go. Chris Harris is seasoned. Yeah. They, they could, If there's a Caleb Farley there, we just mentioned him. A Patrick Sertan, who I can't imagine being here, but maybe Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, like, that's an option if you don't want to go offensive linemen or if your high-rate offensive linemen are gone and it's such a deep offensive lineman class you feel comfortable waiting. I can see you going with like one of those quote-unquote lockdown corners too just to shirt up, shirt the secondary. And with Joey Bosa and Mel- Joey, but Bo- not really Melvin Ingram anymore. They do have to replace that too. So maybe if yeah. there's an edge rusher they rate highly, you could go in that direction. But when you have Joey Bosa and Derwin James, another corner, like just putting elite players at random spots on that defense to help the other guys shine, I could see them going that direction too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I kind of agree with you on this one as well. Offensive line for me, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually really torn on their biggest need because they did bring in Lindsley and they brought in another offensive lineman as well as seasoned veteran on that offensive line. I, I'm really torn whether they go offensive line here. If they do go line, it does need to be a tackle in my opinion. So maybe a Darisaw or one of these other 17 deep at tackle type of guys uh literally it's at this point in time do, do you prefer a long lengthy tackle or do you prefer a short stubby tackle or do you prefer anything in between because they're all available at this point in time um this draft is huge for tackles we're probably gonna see a lot of them for a long time coming and because of that i i lean a little bit more towards going the defensive way with the chargers here at 13 i you know in in the last pick you had him going for linebacker and going and getting the awusu karamoa out of notre dame and Honestly, I love that pick, but he's also there. I'll, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll say, yeah, if he's there and if not Micah Parsons, that dude, what he just did at his pro day, you do want to talk about a freak athlete. Oh my. Oh, you imagine him and Derwin James on the same defense, two hybrid safety linebackers, basically like, yeah. And then Kenneth Murray, he's no slouch either at linebacker. Like you could honestly just make a defense full of like versatile small forwards. If we're going to go by NBA standards, like the LeBron, <laughs> Kevin Durant, Kawhi, we're just going to have those guys playing defense for us. Basically they don't have positions. They fly and make plays. Yeah, and and that's that's what I'm leaning towards. I'm leaning towards going that linebacker route with them, um, just shoring up that middle, that spine of that defense. Really, I mean, you you talk about Bosa being there. Um, they also still have uh, Linval jo- uh, Joseph is still there, and so you you do you do have Kenneth Murray there, who's I mean obviously had a fantastic year last year, but I think pairing him up with another another linebacker, especially one that's a combo type of linebacker who can cover, can get side to side would be a huge benefit here. Um, especially if we, we're, we're up in the air about Derwin, you know, we, what, how does he return? If he returns this season, how's he do after the, the torn Achilles? So, you know, this is one I'm looking towards maybe sure of your defense a little more. And then later in the draft, go offensive line. That's, that's how I look at this one. So I think this one's going to go defense linebacker right here. And then offensive line in the second round for the chargers. I imagine there'll be some good offensive linemen still there in the second round. I mean, there's so many of them. I imagine some will some will dip a little bit. Yeah, I mean, literally, there's I like like I said, it's about 17, 18 deep at 
at tackle alone, let alone guard center. I mean, that's another 10 to 20 deep. Hmm. Like it's, it's crazy. But moving on to the guys over there in the desert, Las Vegas, the Raiders, John Gruden's Raiders picking at number 17, still holding on to Derek Carr, surprisingly. Josh Jacobs is still there. Hunter Renfro is still there. Henry Ruggs is still there. They made some moves on defense. Getting Marcus Mariota is still there now after restructuring a deal. So even if they don't like Derek Carr, they still have a guy right there who's like, hey, if you make me mad, I'll bench you. Exactly. And they did make some defensive line moves. And they do have a young safety in Jonathan Abram that's still there. That hopefully John Gruden, uh, John Gruden really likes Jonathan Abram, so I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. So what do you have the Raiders doing at 17? Because this is a very interesting position for them. They can kind of go anywhere with this pick. What do you have them going? So the first time we did this draft, when we did the mock draft, my thought, my pick was defense. That was pretty much the summarization of it. It's just any, all three levels of the defense. You trade Cleo Mack, you still haven't fixed that pass rush void. You draft Cleveland Farrell at four when Josh Allen defensive end is sitting there. You still haven't made up for that yet. Your linebackers, where, where are they at though? You draft Jonathan Abram at safety, who's a good safety, but he's basically a hammer. He doesn't really cover anybody. You still can't cover anybody. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick leading a 70-yard game-winning drive with one second left. That's all you need, though. They did do some good stuff in, in free agency, like Yannick and Dockway. I think in a 4-3 system, he'll be back in, in a natural fit, so I think that'll be a pretty good signing for them as well. They brought in some got Nicholas Moreau, a pretty versatile linebacker, bringing him back in. Jonathan Hankins, a big boy in the middle, too, like, they did some good things in the offseason, helped their defense a little bit. Quentin Jefferson get Solomon Thomas, former top five pick. So they did a little bit. So I'm going to actually say offensive line they need to fix because that got gutted. Like we're, this is going to be the really common theme is offensive line. So I was about to say, I'm, 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 sensing, I'm sensing a theme for the AFC West here. Initially it was defense. And like that's still a big need. Like if Micah Parsons or someone like that is here, like you really think about it. But Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, Trent Brown, like three of your your three top offensive linemen are gone now you yeah. traded or released them like that Derek Carr's a quarterback when he has an offensive line he will tear you apart not just like any quarterback can look good with an offensive line he's a guy when he's protected he's not quite elite but he's up in that upper level he MVP played it at M- yeah he's he's shown last year he is outstanding like so this is my favorite comparison I remember hearing the Raiders were I believe eight and eight if not seven and nine somewhere along those lines well hypothetically say they were eight and eight the Bears, 8-8. Eight and eight. The Bears were 8-8 eight eight in spite of Mitchell Trubisky. Like, they would have been better. They got 8-8 eight eight in spite of him. The Raiders were 8-8 eight eight because of Derek Carr. If they, He got them to 8-8. Eight eight. That is not an 8-8 eight eight team, but he made them 8-8. Eight eight. If you swap yeah. their quarterbacks around, the Raiders are in the Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, and the Bears are in the where-you-at-Bucks sweepstakes. So the Raiders need to find a way to keep him upright because when we've seen him get a little bit shaky in the pocket a little bit too is all the hits he's taken is when he's not protected and he just traded away half of his pretty good offensive line and the good half of it too yeah i think you got to replace that first and foremost i know the defense is still a tragedy tragedy but you Derek Carr's your most expensive player you're just not going to protect him like he's the keys to your franchise i i don't know what they're doing why they did this in the first place i'd the Cardinals are reaping the benefits. Hey, we got Rodney Hudson for a seventh round pick and DeAndre Hopkins for a two. Like, what is what is Kyle Kingsbury doing? How much blackmail does he have on these guys? My goodness, <laughs> he is robbing everybody. Next thing you know, he's gonna end up with I can't even think of a comparison. Christian McCaffrey for a bag of soda and a laundry ma- and a washing machine. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm out of I don't get it. And just to finish off my ram, random rant about the Raiders decimating their offensive line, the perfect pick 
is Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. He's the nastiest offensive lineman in the draft. He's the guy who will drive you into the third row, and if he doesn't hear the whistle, he'll drive you to the fifth row. The perfect Gruden grinder type of guy. Let Josh Jacobs run behind him. And he's and he's a good pass blocker too. I, I like Tevin Jenkins there just because he's he's that got that he's got that extra nasty to him. Like they're all offensive linemen are nasty. He's got that nasty, nasty to him, though. He'd pair up nice next to Richie Incognito, that's for sure. That no would doubt. that'd be a fil- dirty combo, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Uh to your point on their offensive line, currently their depth chart is Colton Miller. Richie Incognito, Nick Martin, who's not bad. Obviously, he's not as good as his brother Zach. Uh, Denzel Good and Brandon Parker. So it's safe to say they could use some help there. Um, and I have, I here's what my thought is for the Raiders because, like you, I I was thinking the same thing because if you go back to our mock draft, it was again, it was Quiddy Page is who you had to, who you had him taking uh, um, out of out of Michigan, Quiddy Page, and so. Not a bad pick by any means, but with that said, I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to say, say they still don't need defensive players because I look at this draft and I look at Trev- Trayvon Morig out of TCU, and I'm like, well, you do need a free safety. You have Jeff Heath currently as your starting free safety. Hey, that man p- picked off Patty Mahomes now. Yeah, So, well, okay, look. <laughs> I'll leave my hatred of Jeff Heath out of this. I haven't had a chance to go on a Jeff Heath rant in so long. I'm really trying not to. <laughs> but you know what? The fact is, every every dog has their day, and, and Jeff Heath just happened to have his, have his day against the first time they faced Patty. Uh, but look, I think I look at this. If, you, if you're the Raiders, I, I totally agree with you. Going and getting an offensive lineman is a priority. But as I mentioned with the Chargers, the offensive line is so deep, so deep. You really can't mess this up if you get an offensive lineman in the first two rounds because they are very good. If you wait too long, okay, yeah, you're out of luck. But I look at Trayvon Morig right here, and this is literally the only guy where I'm like, this is your pick if he's there. And that's that's Trayvon Morig because he is so good. He is literally just an outstanding he's, – he's probably the best defensive back overall in this entire draft. And he just happens to be a safety in a position of need for these Raiders, this Raiders team where they actually need a safety over the top. So Jonathan Abram can go to his Troy Polamalu lookalike <laughs> defensive style where he's just go a big hammer. Yeah. He's a big hammer. And then Trayvon Morrigs over here, just slicing people apart, picking it off and, and, and running it back for 40 yards and, you know, setting up Derek Carr for an easy, easy, easy offensive control. But Everything they've done defensively, I think the one thing they're missing is a safety. So that's my pick if Trayvon Morg is still here at 17. Otherwise, this has to be offensive line because, like you said, it's a running theme in the AFC West where offensive line just needs to be filled. And tra- tra- I'm a big Trayvon Morg fan, so I'm never going to say that's a bad pick regardless of who takes him. The Legion of Boom can take him, and they will, they, it's a good pick. He will, there will be a way to put him in there, and he will play. Yeah, and, and this is one, like, I think, I, to be honest, when we did our first mock draft, we might have missed out on Trayvon Morig because we let him go to 27, I think it was, to Baltimore. Um, we, we both kind of slept on him. And just watching what he did in his pro day on top of re-watching some of his tape, you're just like, wow, this guy is this guy's special. Do it all. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely special. Um, so if you're, if you're John Gruden, you love those Gruden grinders, but there's sometimes you just have to say, forget the grinder, give me the superstar in the making in Trayvon Morig. So... 100%. Never going to disagree with the Trayvon Morick pick. <laughs> but as you mentioned, 
Uh, Jeff Heath picked off Patty one time last year. Twice. Twice. Okay, anyways. Just rub it in a little bit. <laughs> he couldn't do it for Dallas, but he could do it for, for Vegas. Uh, anyways. So, anyways, we talk about Patty. We talk about this Kansas City Chiefs team. Picking at 31, the last team in the AFC West to go. Second to last team in the NFL to go in the first round. They cut two all-pro tackles. And you have Patty Mahomes, who is injury-prone. What were they thinking? And can they replace these guys? I will say the cutting of both of them kind of made sense in that Mitchell Schwartz has the back issue. You have no idea if he's going to come back. So that could be to end to save money. And at the same time with Eric Fisher, he's probably not even going to play next year anyway with that Achilles injury. So you try and bring him back for a cheaper, cheaper deal. So in that regard, it kind of makes sense, especially with the salary cap issue this year being absolutely terrible and it's going up next year, but at least they did bring in some offensive linemen in the off season to counteract it a little bit. I mean, handing the Kings ransom to Joe Tooney, who's for all intents and purposes, one of the top three to five guards in the game. And so Patty Mahomes could step up. It looks like. Andrew Wiley, like they brought, they brought back, they got in Kyle Long too. Kyle Long comes back and gets to destroy Patty Mahomes, so that'd be fun. So they at least somewhat address in the offseason. Mike Remmers, they they did something at least. They didn't just leave it as a giant hole. But no, that is a very good point. That is, uh, they did they did make some moves as you mentioned, Kyle Long, um, you know, Mike Remmers, uh, Joe Thune. Also, they'll be getting Laurent Duvernier Tardif back. Um, is a big one. And so that leaves really one offensive line position open. So do you oh, think they also brought in Austin Blythe? I just realized yeah. too. So they get better. And they do also have Lucas Niang and Prince Tega Winogo, younger guys that they can slide to left tackle if absolutely pressed into service. Um, I do think they'd probably move uh, move one of the the maybe maybe move Joe Thune or or Devernier Tardif out to that tackle position before going that far but i think that's a possibility that they do have the young options there but do you what do you think what do you think this chiefs team decides to do in the draft do you think they're going to go offensive line or do you think they're gonna they're just gonna throw us for a loop you know i want to say offensive line and just go four for four but i feel like they did so much to address in the offseason i think they got to work on that defense too because that defense is still extremely erratic tyron matthews a night really nice piece he could be a game changer Trayvon Moore could be a really nice pick here if he manages to somehow slide this far too. Have that other safety so Tyron could go Tyron. Yeah. Legarius Need was a steal at corner last year, but that's. I mean, I still remember Henry Ruggs running up and down the sideline. Hunter Renfro running across the field. I just look at Nelson Aguilar running all over the place. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of getting that can get gotten in the secondary if they don't get after with Chris Jones and Frank Clark and those guys up front. So. Honestly, I think defense would be a good key here. They need some linebackers. I don't, they're kind of similar to what the Browns were when we did this draft, did our first mock draft of, I don't know who their linebackers are at all. Now the Browns have addressed that a little bit since and Chiefs, uh, not, not so much, honestly. Like their, their linebacker, their linebacker hole is still there. So there's, there's some kids, there's some guys out there I think they should definitely look at. Obviously, if somehow Micah Parsons was here or the Jeremiah Wosu Akoromoa was here, those guys would obviously be ideal. Maybe even a Quiddy Page or someone like that that could get after the rush. Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa, I really like that kid just to be in the middle of the defense. So I think just sharing up, like we said with the Chargers, the spine of the defense, the pass rush on the linebackers would be key for them. Unless there's an offensive line you have highly rated, then obviously take the offensive line and you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe if somebody like Darisaw somehow drops or Leatherwood drops to this point, maybe that's who they pick as that tackle guy. Uh, but I'm with you. I still stick defense. And to to your point of who who's their linebackers, 
Uh, currently s- slotted in in their in their base four three is Dorian O'Daniel, Anthony Hitchens, and Willie Gay. Um, those are their their three starting linebackers. Uh, so, needless to say, yeah, they could be filled by some other positions. Um, they did also bring in Taco Charlton, and mm-hmm. they do have Jaron Reed, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and Derek Naughty in that defensive line position. So they do have some some defensive players there. They still get gashed by a run game every now and then. Uh, but I think that that's more down to their linebacking core. And if looking across at this one, I do think their linebackers are the position to go from for. Uh, basically, when I was writing up my my whole what they need, I'm like, you cut two all pro tackles. Where do you go in a tackle heavy draft? That's right, linebacker. And you know that's just mm. that's how I feel about them. Is like they just need to go and get this a lot. Like I was talking with the Chargers, share up the spine of that defense and then work out from there. Um, obviously, you have Honey Badger back there. You did get a really good pick in J- Legarius Need. You do have Tarvarius Ward on the other side of him, so not a bad option there. Um, you also have Juan Thornhill, who's not been a bad guy uh, as a free safety either. Um, just it's kind of balancing. It's the balancing act between him and Tyron Matthew as to who wants to be the hammer. Don't they, forget, you got Dirty Dan Sorensen, who's not afraid to stick his helmet anywhere, too. Heck, you could put him in linebacker. He's not afraid to stick his head in the trenches. No, that is exactly right. But, yeah, it's it's a matter of picking which safety is going to be the hammer per per per, per play. And that's really the issue that the uh, the Chiefs really run into on their back their secondary. I think helping that out would be a a linebacker who is a a leader of the ship. And you talk about Zayvon Collins being there potentially. Um, also, you have uh, oh goodness, what is his name out of um, Mizzou? Nick Bolton out of Mizzou uh, has a potential potential first rounder here. He did a, he had a really good forty, uh, a really good uh, showing at his pro day as well. Underrated pick since we're talking Missouri too. The safety out of there as well too. He's really good. Tyree Gillespie. Yeah, he has a he has quite this. If you just look at like things he done, he has a pass breakup on Devonte Smith, an open field tackle on Jalen Waddle, and a one on one tackle in the backfield on Najee Harris too. Like he can do just about everything you need. Like in that, I know Alabama toasted in that game, but like pretty <laughs> impressive things to do in that game against three first round caliber skill players. Like he could oh, be yeah. a second round pick for him that. If anyone snags him in the second round to third round, he could be a sneaky pick. I I like that kid. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And there's there's so many things that they could do here, but I do think their main focus is going to probably be linebacker. Um and or unless as you as you said, as you mentioned, they do have a highly rated tackle or or edge rusher here that's available. I do think that's a, a good second option. But for me, linebacker as well, which I feel like I think uh, we we pretty much summed this AFC West into into two things. Either they need an offensive lineman or they need somebody on the defensive line or linebacker. Like, Basically, like that's... trenches or linebacker. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's how we've described pretty much every team here, except for the Raiders, who, if they have a chance at Trayvon Morick, go get that man. Uh, All right, so we're bashing the Raiders now. All right, well, that'll do it for the AFC West. <laughs> After this quick commercial break from a few of our sponsors, we'll jump in on the NFC West, which will be a much more interesting division to go over, to say the least. What's up, everybody? It's Kelsey from the High Low Sports Podcast. You know, if you missed the brand new news, we have partnered with Fanatics.com. So if you're in the market for a brand new t-shirt, brand new hoodie, brand new jersey, no matter the team, no matter the player, no matter the sport, Fanatics.com is your place to stop. Not only does this help support our podcast, but it helps support the entire Onion Sports Network. Check the link in our bio or go to OnionsSN.com. I'll be having DJ in the High Low Sports Podcast. See ya.
What's up, everybody? It's Kelsey from the Highland Sports Podcast, and we recently partnered with Fubo TV. What is Fubo TV? Fubo TV is a service to broadcast live TV over the internet, no cable required. Watch your favorite teams, network shows, news, and movies on over 100 plus channels. You get channels like CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox. You can watch all the games. So go ahead, click that link in our bio, and get started on your seven day free trial. And stay tuned to some more great programming right here on the Unhinged Sports Network. And welcome back, guys. As you just heard from our network sponsors, Fubo and Fanatics. Uh, definitely go check them out, guys. As we're getting ready for the draft, Fanatics.com is the best choice to go and get all of your fan gear getting ready for the next year. And if you're a March Madness fan, get all your March Madness gear over at Fanatics.com. Just just search March Madness and you will find all the Final Four, Championship, Elite Eight, Sweet 16, all those t-shirts for your teams if they made it that far. Or if you're like me, your team didn't even make it to any tournament, well... You can just go buy their gear just by searching their team website. So that's the best way to do it, guys. Um, All the links are in our bio in our Twitter page. Just click on the link tree link and then click on the uh, correct fanatics.com link in the link tree. And it'll take you right there. But now that we talked to AFC West and I got my John Gruden bashing out of the way, Mm -hmm. um, I had to, you know, you know, obligatory John Gruden hatred just a little bit because he doesn't know how to pick anybody. Oh, good. We're still going. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I'm done now. (laughs) But we're going to go to the other Western division, the NFC West. And now this one, unlike the AFC West, is not really built, spread them out, and throw it all over you. This division's kind of all over the place. (laughs) So all over the place, there's only two teams that have a Mm -hmm. pick in the first round. And if you didn't know already, that's the Cardinals. And the newly minted third overall pick... San Francisco 49ers who next year will not have a pick in the first round. <laughs> exactly. Joining just the like the Rams. Seahawks will not have a pick in the first round. Yeah. There will be only a, one at this point in time, one NFC West team with a first round pick next year. Um, that's crazy. And considering how Cliff Kingsbury robs people with later round picks, he's never going to have to trade a first round pick and still end up with all world level players. So exactly. I can only imagine what he'd get if he offered to trade a first round pick. So obviously the Seahawks do have a potential to get a first-round pick sometime before the draft if Russell Wilson is dealt. But as of right now, Russell Wilson is still a Seahawk and will remain so because it's Russell Wilson. I mean, no other guy can cheese for the camera and say, go Hawks in the corniest way possible and yet still give a whole city faith. I, I don't get it. Let's, for all intents and purposes, say he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> exactly. And for the Rams, obviously, they're probably not going to be getting a first-round pick anytime soon because they have everything they want right now. They have run game. They have a quarterback now. They have receiving core, defense, you name it. They're all there. They're all being paid way, way too much. But they're being paid, and they're not going anywhere. So the Rams I don't know what's going on there, but uh, good for them. It defies (laughs) logic, but it's there. (laughs) Yeah, Sean McVay, you have no excuses anymore. You have your team. Go go win a championship. So we're going to break our own rules. And we could go talk about the 49ers and their newly traded number three pick. But what's the fun in, in, in breaking the suspense? I love a little suspense in my in my movies and in my media. So we're going to build the suspense even more. We're going to start with the aforementioned Cliff Kingsbury absolutely stripping people out of draft picks left and right, never having to trade a number one pick. Picking at number 16, this Arizona Cardinals team, I mean... What more can I say about this Cardinals team? You have just fleeced the NFL at this point in time. If you're Cliff Kingsbury, you have Kyler Murray, who you traded to get that pick, number one overall. You have J.J. Watt now. And now you also still have DeAndre Hopkins. It's like, oh, okay. 
no big deal. Like, you know, I have three huge superstars. Two of them I've fleeced Houston for mm-hmm. and Kyler Murray. The only loss they've had is Patrick Peterson going to the Vikings. And can Drake going to the Raiders, I guess. Like I said, the only loss they have is Patrick Peterson going mm. to the... No, that is a good point. Uh, Ken and Drake will be missed for what Kings, Kingsbury does do offensively. He fit pretty well there. Um, but yeah, so those are the two big misses for, for Cliff Kingsbury that he's lost. So does he replace him here, or does he go somewhere else? You know, I look, I'm look. i looking at their offseason thing right now. You mentioned J.J. Watt, so defensive line, and Chandler Jones coming back. All right, we can get after the pass right now. Great. You lose Patrick Peterson, but you bring back Robert Alford. Great. Marcus Golden. Great. Tanner Vallejo. Solid. Kelvin Beecham, a tackle. Solid. Oh, what's that? Rodney Hudson for a seventh round pick. Great. Oh, look at in a division where you have pass rushers all over the place. You have Nick Bosa's in there. I mean, my goodness, you're good. Good for you. Cardinals. My goodness. Just good for you. Aaron Donald, all of them. You bring in AJ green veteran, big receiver. Great. Brian, Brian Winters, Max Garcia, offensive lineman, Mason Cole. Great. Couple of safeties, including Sean Williams. And then, oh yeah, former Super Bowl hero, Malcolm Butler. Great. It seems like they kind of hammered in a lot of their needs and it had a pretty great offseason, considering they signed a lot of relatively cheap guys for relatively decent prices, minus J.J. Watt. They obviously paid a nice little chunk of change for him as well, but they seem to do a good job filling their holes in the in free agency. So they go into this draft with a little bit of leeway, if you will. Like they don't have to chase a position. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, you look at this. I mean, even their tight end, Max Williams, is a really underrated tight end. Um, and Chase Edmonds is their, by the way, that's their starting running back will be fantastic when he gets his chances. I mean, really, he has he has sure all the potential will. to be a number one running back in the league and he just really hasn't been given the opportunity night in and night out. He's always kind of split carries with somebody. I will say a running back is on the list for the Cardinals, but I don't think you need to take one in the first round to pick 15, I believe you said they were. Uh, 16, yep. 16, 16 excuse me. But yes, yeah. rest in, dead, like I rest my case. Dead in the middle, you don't need to be taking a running back. There, are, like, There's no Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, like Saquon Barkley. There's nothing ridiculous like that that's going to be there. So yeah. you can wait on those and get someone later. And, and Obviously, he, sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I said offensive line, of course, we can go with that route as usual. Like offensive line applies here, even though they did a good job in the I'm gonna say defense still, especially on the defensive line. Like I think I know JJ Watts there, and I know you have Chandler Jones who, depending on whether he's playing end or outside backer, you can use that as well. I want I th- we gotta figure out what they're gonna do with Isaiah Simmons, obviously, too. Like, are they gonna use him as a linebacker, a safety? Like I I wanna go with defensive line just to get like a big defensive tackle, so like a like a Davion Nixon out of Iowa, Christian Barmore out of Alabama, just just a big guy in the, on the defensive line that's a true defensive lineman, whether it's a 4-3 end or a tackle or whatever you appear knows, whatever you need. Just somebody to take up gaps and help with the run game. You got the 49ers run game in, and there you got Seattle, which always, when they want to, finds a way to run the ball. You got Sean McVay's running offense. Like You need someone to help you just clog up running lanes. Let guys like Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker just fly all over the place and then fill out some of the other spots as you go. Or, of course... You can get a Micah Parsons or one of those guys, just a free-ranging linebacker. So kind of the center of the front seven is what I'm thinking. Your edges are solid, but you need something in the mid. Like you need some beef or you need some range. Yeah, and, and to give you an idea, they're obviously their starting defense for the 3-4 is J.J. Watt now, Rashard Lawrence, and Zach Allen. So you definitely could fill in a nose tackle there. There is still a nose tackle available in free agency, so we'll see if they go and pull the trigger for him. 
Um, that's a potential deal out there. Uh, but that defensive end position where Zach Allen is, that's definitely a spot open open to be filled. Um, and Chandler Jones is technically their weak side linebacker. And then Jordan Hicks, Isaiah Simmons, their inside linebackers, and Devon Kennard, their uh, strong side linebackers. So, so they are considering Isaiah Simmons like a middle linebacker now. Yeah, he's he's considered. Yeah, yeah, it's it's right inside linebacker is what he's listed at on their depth chart. Um, In that case, I think you got the range definitely covered with that freak of nature monster alien. So at this point, it'd probably be defensive tackle or that safety spot opposite Buda Baker. Then yeah, yeah, which is right now filled by Jalen Thompson, which is not a bad spot either. Um, not at all. Which, but it's like. It's kind of one of those things, like I mentioned with the with the Raiders at 17, which, by the way, would be the next pick after this mm-hmm. pick, if somebody like Trayvon Morig is available and you have a chance to pair Buda Baker with Trayvon Morig, I mean... Especially with uh, your corners that are pretty good, but there's some room for growth there. Like, oh, this will help out a lot to ha- have two future Pro Bowl-level safeties, like one all-pro level in Buda Baker and a guy we both agree, and Trayvon Morig has Pro Bowl at, who has Pro Bowl written all over him. Yeah. There's a lot of options really for this for this team. As you mentioned, offensive line is always an option um, here. But for me, I actually look at the loss of Patrick Peterson as a little bit bigger loss. I know they have Byron Murphy Jr. and I know they go did go get go out and get Robert Alford, so it lessens the need and Malcolm Butler as well. And so it lessens the need of a of a true starting corner today. But let's be honest: if you're picking at 16 and somebody like Newsom the second or Horn or Sertan the second is available here. I'm taking a corner. I'm taking Patrick Sertan is here. Delete everything I said. And you grab Patrick Sertan because that's a top 12 level player in this draft. And when I get, when we get the big board done, we will see people will see how we have them ranked. We think highly of Patrick Sertan the second. Yeah. And actually this is where I had Patrick Sertan the second going in our first mock draft, ironically enough, because we did have him (laughs) slip to this point. And that's why I was like, oh, well, Patrick Sertan's going there. So <laughs> it was exactly. an easy option that, at that point. This is, and is, you're exactly right. Though. I think this might just be a case of taking the absolute best available defensive player. I, I think that might be where they go. If it's either, it's either an offensive lineman or best available defensive player. As you mentioned, Christian Barmore, um, that is a very good option for an interior defensive lineman. Would he fit in a 3-4 nose tackle? Not so much, but he could fit in that 3-4 right in the end opposite J.J. Watt's side. So he obviously wouldn't be the most outside guy on the line, but he would be taking up a guard-tackle combination, usually most plays, which he does well against. He does well in those combinations. Um, or, you know, they take a flyer. Obviously, Davion Nixon, we've talked highly about him. I talk, I, I love the, the way he looks as well. And maybe he, maybe they do take a, a reach for him. Um, or if they want to fill that nose-tackle position, maybe Louis, uh, Levi Onwuzurike from Washington. That's a big boy, and that is a hard man to move. That'll keep a lot of guys off of Isaiah Simmons <laughs> and just let him roam and fly. Yeah, so that might be a, a, a taking either the best available or maybe you have one that you know fits your system, like maybe a Levi Awanzaruke. He fits their system so well that maybe that's where they go. But this is just probably to me, I'd just say best available defensive position or offensive lineman. You know, the Cardinals actually kind of remind me of their AFC counter bird counterpart is the Ravens, who are known historically for always just taking the best available player and making it work. Hey, we don't really need a running back. Oh, J.K. Dobbins is here. We'll take it and make it work. Hey, it worked out. Yeah. Like, they just have a strong history of just taking the best defensive player available. And I think this is – I think the Cardinals are kind of in a similar position where you have the nuts and the bolts, 
and you got the meat of the team, you just want to throw some dressing on that, throw a little bit of seasoning in there. And that's yeah. what you can do with this pick. Yeah, for sure. Like I mentioned with the Chargers and the Chiefs, they, their defense, their spine of their defense looks good. You know, they, they you have a solid defensive lineman, you have a solid linebacking core, you have a solid safety, and you have built – and you've worked your way out from there. You know, your, your corners started looking good. And then on offense, your centers are fantastic and Rodney Hudson and Kyler Murray is doing what Kyler Murray does. And then, like I said, their receiving core is absolutely outstanding. You could just literally – they've built this team so well. And Cliff Kingsbury, since he's taken over there, has kind of revamped what was probably the most miserable team I've watched with Josh Rosen at quarterback to what they are now. Potentially, they, they just missed out on a playoff berth last year off of, I mean, really, let's be honest, a couple tip, a couple late second plays. It, I mean, a, to- a grand total of 10 points over three games is, is what they missed the playoffs by. So Heck, we actually almost like when we did playoff predictions, we all had them as the sleeper team this year. Maybe we were just a year off, honestly. I mean, I think, and you brought, you have DeAndre Hopkins. It's like, oh, well, that's dirty. Great. DeAndre, Kyler, we saw what they're capable of. My goodness. And they filled the one position that we really thought they needed in pass rushing and and getting J.J. Watt, or at least, I shouldn't say pass rushing, but pass defense from a defensive lineman because he's not always the most efficient pass rusher, but what he does is interrupt absolutely every quarterback because of what he, how active he is with his hands. Um, it's like, like we talk about Aaron Donald, you don't teach what JJ Watt does. You, you don't teach it to that level because he's one of those guys. He will actually just say, ah, I don't really feel like rushing this play. Let me stand right here, move side to side and swap the living crap out of the ball as it comes over <laughs> the line. I'm going to Dikembe Matumbo this into the first row because that's just how good I can be. And that's how, that's how JJ Watt can be sometimes. So, he doesn't always have to get to the quarterback to still affect the pass rush. And that's that's one really interesting thing about J.J. Watt that I think gets overlooked. As much as I give him crap because he's not a pass rusher all the time, he is still a pass, like, defender. Defender, yeah. So, all right. So, we put it off long enough. I can't, <laughs> I can't extend this any longer. A huge, huge monumental trade for the Niners. I, I don't think there's any way to put this right now other than I think that. you're underselling it. I, I think I am probably. So they obviously trade with the Dolphins and get the number three pick this this year. And the Dolphins, they did trade back to what is, I think, believe 12 originally for the San Francisco pick. Then flip that pick with the Eagles to move back into the top 10 and move into sixth position as the Eagles moved out to 12 because the Eagles originally looking at this third pick and then they couldn't get it. And they're like, Oh, full fine. We'll go back to 12. Cause I'm angry. I'm gonna take my ball and run home. It's kind of <laughs> what the Eagles remind me of. Uh, anyways, back to the Niners, Shanahan and Lynch. I mean, let's be honest uh, they've had a game plan since they walked into San Francisco since day one. And I feel like they've executed every single step of the way until last season, which is of no fault of their own. I mean, injuries, dismantled this team last year was there a more injury decimated team last year i mean my goodness like what if you ask the eagles fans you'd probably say they'd probably say oh well, we were but you know what no i think wholeheartedly this is 100 percent the worst injury riddled team last year eagles were probably top three injury riddled but this is just how big the gap was like i feel like san francisco's clearly number one as far as injury riddled yeah. number two was probably honestly the eagles then maybe number three denver like those are probably three of the more injury ravaged teams honestly when you go just down the line no doubt and now the really crazy part about this trade is the timing of it this was during literally during zach wilson's pro day with kyle shanahan 
and John Lynch in attendance of Zach Wilson's pro day somehow managed while watching Zach Wilson flick the ball around like he's out here playing with you know a bunch of fourth graders <laughs> that they managed to swing this this third overall pick as every literally every NFL scout is watching this man throw the ball around like he's Patty Mahomes obviously not against the defense it was just you know him and his receiver but he looked great he looked absolutely fantastic he was just straight up feeling himself throwing the ball around having a good time so it's safe to say we think that the 49ers are looking at a quarterback here exactly and they haven't shied away from that question uh in an interview in a bunch of interviews actually really since that trade was done they straight up asked mike shanahan or uh kyle shanahan and john lynch have you talked to jimmy and what are his thoughts Kyle Shannon said, obviously, Jimmy's not happy. Who would be? You're a starting quarterback, and we're telling you you're about to, we're about to draft the future quarterback to replace you. Nobody would be happy because he's a competitor. But when Jimmy gets mad, Jimmy gets better, was what Kyle Shannon is quoted as saying. So they're doing this not just with the purpose of a future pick, but at the same time to try to get the absolute best out of Jimmy Garoppolo going forward do you think this is a smart move let's start with that do you think this is a smart move from a gm and coach who have had an absolutely fantastic run so far here's what i think is interesting about is like so they're obviously they've i feel like they haven't been fully sold on jimmy like they believe in jimmy they think they can almost they almost won a super bowl with him like they were a hair away but i think what they're looking at is long-term sustainability especially with jimmy g's injury history and jimmy g's contract and you don't want to have to pay him a second contract on top of that. So they're looking like we get a rookie that can do, and there's somebody in this draft, maybe one or two guys. They, they really like, they look at it as like, I can win with that guy. The thing is a lot of these prospects, maybe it's just me when I look at them. Cause I'm always kind of an asshole with quarterbacks, I guess, but I think all of them, but Trevor Lawrence really should sit. I don't think any of the, any of the other ones, maybe Mac Jones. He's just cause I think he has a lower ceiling, but a higher floor than a lot of these guys. Like it's like, all right, you kind of know what you're going to get with him. Maybe he could start right away because he's not going to change a whole lot. But Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, all three of them, I think, if they sat for this year, you get the best out of them. Or at least for like 10 games, 11 games, if they're on a crappy team, throw them in there. Yeah. And I think the 49ers see that with one of those three guys. They look at him like, yeah, we draft that guy. We get an angry Jimmy, so we go to the playoffs this year. So that first-round pick's like in the 20s or something anyway. Then we trade Jimmy next year. To like the Patriots or some crap, send him back to the Patriots. It'd be ironic. Get a second round pick or whatever you want for him, depending on how good he plays. Maybe a first if he plays really well. And we got our quarterback for the future on a rookie deal. So it they might be playing chess while we're playing checkers, or they might be playing 3D chess while we're playing Monopoly. Who knows? Yeah, no. I mean, or they're just or they just stuck their face in the meat grinder and destroyed everything they worked so hard for. (laughs) That's that is also the the potential flip side of this for sure. Um, it depends on really what they do with this pick. I, I feel like is the, is the, is long on. You mentioned a couple quarterbacks there. Um, and, and there's one that keeps getting mentioned that I am just, I don't like the fact that he's being mentioned in a first round pick because he is throwing the ball only six times more than he has ran the ball. <laughs> oh, here we go. It's a Kelsey rant guys. Buckle up. This okay. Look, uh, let me start by saying this: Jimmy Garoppolo has played twenty-five games. He has missed twenty-six games in his three seasons in the Niners. So you need a quarterback if you're going to take a number three pick, and you're going to take and you're going to hinge your future on this quarterback. 
this guy needs to be proven to be able to take the hits, not miss games because of injury, and be able to run your offense in the style it's being ran, which is a very play-action heavy, dish it out to the wide-open guy, don't make stupid mistakes type of offense. Diddle, diddle, hit George Kittle in the middle. Exactly. Now, when I think of all of that, do I think Wilson? No. Do I think, Trey, I'm going to run the ball six times less than I'm going to throw the ball? No. Yeah, I think we're thinking the same thing on here. We just took a different way to get there. Do I think Mac Jones? Hell no. <laughs> Although there is some rumblings. But there is some rumblings. I'm looking at Justin Fields right here. And the number three pick. I, I We've had our discussions about Justin Fields ad nauseum. Because people want to tell us what he isn't. And the one thing with Justin Fields is he is a quarterback first. He may be an athlete. He runs a four freaking four. The dude runs a fantastic 40. He can run the ball. But to me, what he showed this season and that I didn't believe he had it in him is heart and grit and grind and the tenacity to be a quarterback at the next level while getting beat to a pulp. And, a, and leadership to even get the Big Ten to play football this year. Like, he was a big force behind that, too. Exactly. If he doesn't come to the, the Big Ten's aid, I don't think the Big Ten plays football. Straight up. I, I think if, if he doesn't goad Ryan Day into mm. getting himself going and getting Ohio State's name out there as being like, yeah, we want to play, it, it was going to be pretty much they were going to be the Pac-12 of this this last season. I mean, I think it's safe to say where they just kind of take the ball and go home and don't even play a postseason. Um, but what he did is it started, it started there. He started getting this conference off. He started getting this team up and going. And obviously they didn't play a whole lot of games. But what, what I saw out of him after he gets absolutely crushed in that Clemson game, I mean, I, I still to this day think he cracked a rib at the very least. I think he might even like bruise the hip bone on top of it too. Like maybe like even a chip in the hip bone too. Just the way the hit landed. I think there was more than just like, that was a full side look at injury. Exactly. And on top of that, he took plenty of hits that game. I mean, I, he got touched about 20 times that game alone. Still stood in the pocket, threw the ball with absolute precision that he needed to. Looked, Six touchdown passes. Looked absolutely phenomenal. Set a record. Looked phenomenal. Then goes the next week out to Alabama doesn't have the best showing. Obviously, it's Alabama. Nobody has the best showing. It's Alabama. One but of the best Alabama stood, teams we've seen, nonetheless, too. Yeah, and he stood in there and took all the hits while still delivering dimes. It wasn't because of Justin Fields they lost to Alabama. It's because of the rest of Ohio State that they lost to Alabama. It was Sean Wade saying, like, yeah, I want Devontae Smith. Oh, God, no, I don't want Devontae Smith after all. I take it all back. I don't want it. So, <laughs> so when I look at this number three pick, I'm obviously – there's so many ways they can go with this. There's five different quarterbacks to go in this one position. Does Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence obviously go one and two? I do believe so. I think Trevor Lawrence goes one, Zach Wilson goes two, or at least that's the way it should go. Maybe the Jets decide to go offensive tackle because if if you watch anything that Lou Riddick had to say about Zach Wilson, you understand that they already have a very talented quarterback in Sam Darnold. He just sees ghosts which is, I mean, let's be honest, with that offensive line they have there, who wouldn't be seeing ghosts? Let's be honest, when you have Adam Gase in your ear, too, you probably see Adam Gase's, you have to see his face every day. I'd be seeing some ghosts, too. My goodness. Yeah. 
It'd be he probably snuck into Adam Gase's third drawer and was like, oh, God, and accidentally took too big of a sniff. Yeah, and you look at that. So those two guys, obviously, let's just leave them out of the equation. You're left with Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. Let's be let's be completely honest. Trey Lance is not a first round quarterback right now. He if he's might a first have a round quarterback. Potential. I don't think you trade your. I don't think you mortgage the future for him. Yeah, exactly. I, I, he's definitely not a top three quarterback. I, I think it's a top three pick overall. I mean, this is like Mario Williams level of like I'm gonna trade up to get this guy, and then I'm just gonna be just terrible for years to come. Like that's how I feel about this pick. This is. If they take Trey Lance here, they're screwing their whole future. They are literally throwing the wrench in the perfectly moving mechanism and just saying, ah, I don't care. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. If this is a really good situation for Trey Lance, I will say, though, a chance to sit behind a Jimmy Garoppolo in an offense that could fit to his skills. If they do take him, there is no excuse. Like, if he if he is as good as a lot of people are projecting him to be, this is the place. Like, I know we talk about he ran the ball more almost as much as he threw it, all that sort of thing. The one thing I do give him credit for is he did call the protections at the line for when he was in North Dakota State. So he did at least handle something at the line. But I agree with you as far as I think people are really looking at the natural athletic ability, but they're kind of ignoring the football at the same time. Like obviously calling the protections at the line. I love that. I really do like that a lot. Yeah. And I love the arm strength. I love the speed. I love the athletic ability. But looking at him throw the ball is just like, there's a lot of disconnect, if that makes sense, too. Like, it's a little accuracy is a little bit off. The windows are off. Like, sitting for a year, I think, will help him a lot. Maybe this is the situation to it. But you and I agree, Justin Fields, if I'm Shanahan and Lynch, and I honestly, if I'm the Jets I'm and I'm taking a quarterback, I'm taking Justin Fields. For me, Justin Fields is QB 2.A, B, C, or however you want to break down. Like, him and Zach Wilson, like, I finished the quarterback grade just before we actually did this. I have them basically at the exact same thing. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, like Wilson's a more natural flicker of the ball. Like he flicks it with his two fingers and it goes 60 yards. That's amazing. But Justin Fields is not exactly a weak arm noodle quarterback either. And he's the athlete. He's the most athletic quarterback in this draft. And it, you see it not only when you're watching the game, but he can also like, sorry, excuse me. You can see it when he's running the 40 and in the game, he can escape pressure so smoothly. He holds the, held the ball a little bit long against Indiana. My goodness, he's terrible, right? Is that what we're going to go with now? Like, That's the one thing where I think he could benefit from sitting is just kind of learning more about getting the ball out of his hands quick because he's so confident in himself. He has, he's been that dude since he was 14 years old. Of course, he's probably like, you know what, I'll hold the ball an extra second, break a few tackles, rip a 60-yard bomb, which he does entirely too often. It works entirely too well because it's not fair that he can do that and other people can't. But it, once he gets a little more comfortable in an offense, gets the ball out of his hands, gets comfortable with just like, you know, being in an offense, throwing it on rhythm, that sort of thing. Good luck, everybody else. Like this kid has jumped way up my boards just since I've been ranking. And if the 49ers take him, good, they're gonna rule the AFC West for a while. I know Aaron Donald's there. I know Russell Wilson's there. I know the Rams, and they seem to have a random different trade for first round picks every other year, but they're there. I feel like this will be the 49ers division for a while if they pull Justin Fields, especially if he gets a sit for if not all of next year, for a chunk of next year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and the one thing I, I made sure to mention that, you know, that offense for the Niners, they're very much a play action type of offense. They roll they roll off the play action. It's run first, play action. And some of some of Justin Fields' best work was in the play action passes. You talk about obviously he lost the game against Clemson the year before off a of play action pass that got picked in the end zone. 
he goes and nails it against Clemson three straight times, the same exact play, off the same play action, same same motion, same everything. He just put the ball where it needed to go. It's a play action option route too, so it's not just like a normal play action. He has no idea where his receiver is going to be before he turns around, so he's completely reading that after the play. So that's a very unique thing to, to look at. And the one thing I do want to leave you with, just as a thought provoker, four years that Justin Fields and and Trevor Lawrence faced off in summer camps, in quarterback camps, and four years Justin Fields won the MVP over Trevor Lawrence every time. You just really want to throw that out there. You just really want to put that out there, huh? It's very interesting. It's a very interesting thing because they're both from the same state. Trevor Lawrence was always the number one guy. Justin Fields was always the number two guy in the state of Georgia. But in every camp that was run by pro scouts, pro quarterbacks, ex-pros, you name it, Justin Fields always was rated higher at the end of the day through the performances. That's got to mean something. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. I love Justin Fields now, and I don't – it's it's weird because he only played eight games. He played a shortened game, a short – they played the shortened season. But I feel like I learned more from him this year than I did all of last year too. Yeah. I think he helped himself so much this year. He showed how much better he got. And to just add to your point, off coming off play action too. A lot of touchdowns to tight ends during that Clemson. I think four of the six were to tight ends. George Kittle's probably just like, oh, okay, I'm a tight end. I, I, I can make this work. Like, this works for me. And a weird thing, too, is everyone's going to talk about, oh, he's so fast and mobile. He ran RPOs 8% of the time in college, 8.5%. I think it was Mac Jones ran him 22%. Trevor Lawrence ran him 29% of the time. Like, let's, you have to be almost, you almost have to be mobile now. Yeah. Like, that's it, almost a requirement. Or you have to be an absolute dot machine genius from the pocket. Yeah. It's, it's a cruel thing that when people are going to be like, oh, he's an athlete. For, no, no, no. Justin Fields is a quarterback first who is an athlete. Like, their feet is what makes them special. You take away their feet, they are still darn good. Just, yeah, like, the feet's what makes them like, oh, oh, God, no, no. Like, that's <laughs> what gives people nightmares. Guy. Exactly. No, that's a good point. Yeah, we do <laughs> do agree that it's a quarterback and that it probably shouldn't be anybody but Justin Fields. But that's that's up to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. If they want to make the Wilson mistake. If he's there. Yeah, or Zach Wilson if he's there. Yeah, but that's up to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. If they make the mistake, they make the mistake. That's on them. We're just trying to help them out. That does it, guys. Uh, as always, we are going to be building up, like I said, to the NFL draft at the end of the month. So we will be continuing this next week with the AFC North and NFC North. Till next week, guys. We will see you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When you want an easy way to feel like a chef in your own home, try Blue Apron's two and four serving menu plans so you're always cooking something new and enjoying fresh seasonal ingredients. Choose from an ever-changing mix of premium recipes, chef favorites, family-friendly options, WW recommended, and more. Get $130 off across your first six orders, plus your first order ships free when you visit blueapron.com slash blueculinary.